Welcome to the Connected Spirit Podcast. I'm your mentor, Courtney Dawson. I'm a working medium, mentor, minister, and certified spiritual life coach. My goal with this podcast is to have deep, meaningful conversations regarding the development journey of mediumship and spirituality. It is my hope that by listening, you'll feel seen and confident in your own experiences. I invite you to join me on this journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited to welcome back Michael Mayo to the Connected Spirit Podcast. He is an internationally respected psychic medium, author, and spiritual teacher. He brings a compassionate, practical, and grounded evidential style to his spiritual work. He has over 16 years experience working with the world of spirit, and he's demonstrated his abilities in a public setting and in the private setting as well. And he has so much to share in the world of mediumship and development. He also has his own school, which is the Oakbridge Institute, which is a global online school that offers a safe and harmonious, positive environment for mediumistic and psychic development. He's also been interviewed on tons of podcasts and has been featured on the Shift Network. By bringing messages of love and hope from the world of spirit, his mission is to show that we, like love, are eternal. So nice to have you back on the show, Michael. Thank you, Courtney. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to be here. And it's just funny, as I'm listening to you read that uh, bio, um, my... My thought was, you know, actually in February, 17 years, graduating wow. to, the next, to the next level. So I'm excited about that. So That is exciting. And that's a testament to the dedication that you have to this work because there's so many people that get started in it and then they get easily discouraged and they bow out and you have stayed the path. You're here to talk about your new book, Spirit Speaks. I have read it cover to cover, and it really is an easy read. It's enjoyable, but it is jam-packed with so much grounded, practical information that, with all due respect, it almost is like it simplifies mediumship. Even though it's not a simple process, it simplifies it. And I just want to know if you can maybe talk a little bit about like what actually inspired you to write the book. Well, exactly what you just described. I I have spent, you know, obviously I just said so almost 17 years uh, doing this work. And I tend to find that people overcomplicate mediumship. And I think that it's really important for uh, people to realize that, you know what, take away all the extra steps, all these other things that are that you're adding to it, because mediumship in and of itself is really a process of developing how to control the mind, the thinking mind, right? That's really all it is. So if we can learn to quiet that, then the byproduct of that is mediumship. And so in the book, I wrote it because I wanted to be able to hand someone, here's everything that you need to know about the basics of making a link and uh, mediumship in general. Like, Prefronting them with information that sort of sets right all of the myths and things around mediumship and mm-hmm. psychical awareness, and then moving them into uh, a step-by-step approach of 
how they can also achieve this. So to me, it's excellent for beginners, but I think it's also really good for people who have already started their development because there tends to be little potholes in people's development. Um, and that's tends to be where I fall in for those people because I tend to be the filler in <laughs> of, of those things. So my hope is that the book also acts in that way too. It is such a book, uh, a great book, and that I think it can support anybody in their early development, and even if they're maybe a few years into it. Now, when I started reading the book, I noticed a few things in there and I thought, oh my gosh, I never even thought about it that way. And so it's been helpful for me. So thank you for writing the book. I thought this is incredible. You open the book up by a letter to the developing medium and you share so much stuff about it. What inspired you with writing that letter? Yeah. Like before you even get into the practical step-by-step approach. Yeah. So what inspired me to write that letter was uh, I wanted to be able to tell the reader, the student, if you're choosing to get on this road, just start with this because this is the thing that these are the things that are going to come up in your mediumship. And like, these are true no matter what point you are in your work. And so it's really important for us to have these things in mind to make sure you are coming at this with the right intent, coming at this with the right motivation. Um, and that, you know, you're, you're like, for example, one of the things is not replacing, um, you know, your mental health with spiritual things, right? That those are two separate paths that need to be supported um, evenly. And I think it's just those things that I see so much time and time again with students where they sort of leave off or leave out uh, certain aspects of their development. So it's really just to set people up on like the right mindset before they step into the whole book. And I love it because so many people, I, I, from my own experience, I find either in my one-to-one settings or when they come into the spiritualist church and I'm working with them, is that they're really ungrounded and out of balance. They almost live more of their life in the spiritual realm or try to be, and it's very woo-woo as opposed to recognizing that that's just one component of our life. It's not its entirety and that we need to manage that, facilitate it, and provide equal care to both those aspects. And I find that people really struggle with that. And so... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. You go. So what I think the reason that is, is because for me, when I find people like that, it their spirituality tends to be a little bit more performative rather than having a grounded understanding of what it is. Because once you get past what I call like the first two years of delusion in one's spiritual development, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's honestly what it is. The first two years, you're just like this sponge and you're like <clears throat> just sucking everything in and like reading every book and doing all the things. And you're just like, oh my God, the world is this new thing. You got crystals in your bra. Like there's all kinds of things that we do at the very early part of our journey that as you start to settle down, you realize, oh, wait a second, all of that stuff is not actually necessary. And we start to find a grounded sense of what is it? What is the real thing here? Because you start to realize mm, some of these things are hollow. They're, 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 you know, not, they're not going to take me deeper into my work. They're more just things I'm doing that make me feel good, which is fine if it makes you feel good. But ultimately we want to make sure 
we find the depth and the meat of what your spiritual enfoldment is. Um, and so I think that, you know, we see a lot of people on social media and things like that also, you know, thinking that that's what you do. That's what it means to be a spiritual person. And so I think it's about refining and um, helping people understand what it means to truly be a person like a medium, right? That lives yeah. in both worlds. And that's the key. They live in both worlds. They're not all in the spirit world and they're not just here. We, we do both. Absolutely. And it's funny, I saw your social media post about the crystals and the bra. I <laughs> cried laughing. And why I cried laughing is because I was one of those silly people back in the day. Oh, I, I don't have a bracelet. I can't. Well, just pop it in the bra. Been there, done that. And I just laugh because I shake my head and think, what the hell was I thinking? But you know what? We, we're taught that, right? And I remember yeah. having pants that were so heavy because I had like 36 rocks in them. I was just walking around with rocks in my pants all day. So I'm, <laughs> I'm right there too. I was right. I was one of them. So, but it's neat though, when you grow and become more grounded in your development that you realize those things, they may look shiny and glittery, but they don't help you in your development. Right. It they is consistency with the work and practice practice exactly i think that people want to have some sort of either shortcut or something yeah. along the lines that uh is easier I, I think when i take an object outside of myself and say this is the thing that's going to help me do xyz um it in some ways is sort of like taking a pill right like oh i'm just gonna take the pill to to achieve what i need to achieve rather than training your awareness or training your mind and learning that mind control having a dedication dedicated practice being able to consistently meet the other world and say okay i'm just here those are all things that take time and effort like i would love it if i could hold a crystal and be more psychic that would be amazing but it has nothing to do with that Absolutely. Makes sense. You also then move into your next chapter about dispelling a lot of fears and common myths about mediumship. Do you maybe want to touch on a few of what those myths are and then maybe share your opinions on them? Yeah. So if I can remember what they are, <laughs> I, don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember, but do you have the book there? Can you just like- Of course look? I do. Yes. Talk about the ones that you liked or a couple of them that you, you felt- Okay. Were. So one of them about being stuck or lost. Yeah. So this is one that I always talk a lot about because yeah. to me, um, you know, I don't fully know where it comes from or like when that started to be a thing, but things like rescue circles and things like that yeah. uh, often play a role. But I think also definitely the media. I mean, if we look at the movie Ghost, for example, he's technically a stuck spirit because he has yeah. some unfinished business, right? Um, and I think those kinds of things really stuck with people. Um, I always say, what were people doing when far long before mediums were doing rescue circles and things like that? Were they just getting stuck? all the time. Like I, horrible. I know, I believe that there are um, greater powers that be that don't need a lowly little human being to help people to cross over to their side. And the reason, and this is the evidence to support it, because if you, my book literally has the name evidence in it, to support that evidence with evidence is um, near-death experiences. Yeah. If you look at near-death experiences, they always talk about being drawn towards something, or they talk about a being coming and retrieving them, or they talk about them feeling um, 
almost like indifferent about the body that they see that is theirs. Um, this is a very consistent theme in near-death experiences. And it's important to recognize that because sometimes people will say, oh yeah, they become attached to their earthly life or they come attached to, um, so, sorry, it's like a bug. <laughs> they come attached <laughs> to their earthly life or they become attached to something they hadn't gotten done, right? And so many times you'll hear in these near-death experiences that people will be like, you know what? I felt within myself that this was a very distant thing. I was no longer connected to this. And while I could see these people, you know, frantically working on my body, I had no relationship to it. So it tells us that the power and the love and the peace that we feel on the other side will trump any kind of attachment to our earthly life, because this is just a blip in the eternity of your soul. And I believe that there is a recognition of that. So if it, so that kind of takes out the idea that, you know, they stay for unfinished business, that sort of thing. Mm. And then also the fact that you have guides and helpers who come and support you and go, hey, time to go back, right? We're, we're going back over here. Or they're just pulled towards the light, right? So there's already mechanisms in place that don't require a human person to like sit there and make sure someone crosses to the other side. I know that when I read the myths about the afterlife and particularly the being stuck and the rescue circles. I have heard this come up so many times over the many years within the spiritualist churches. So I'm curious if that's perhaps maybe where some of it has come from, because there's some centers, not the church I go to, but I know there's some centers that actually have just circle rescue, like rescue circles. And I thought, I don't know. Have you ever attended a rescue circle? No. So <laughs> no. go to a rescue circle. Um, one thing you're going to notice is that there isn't any evidence for any of the things that are going on. It's okay. just, hey, there's this presence and there's this um, thing that I'm seeing and experiencing. Time to move it towards the light. There's almost never any kind of validatable evidence of, hey, this is this person who's going to the light. They'll give information, but nobody's around to say, yes, that's this person or that person. So essentially it's like making things up. It's just like, oh, I'm sensing a presence here and I need to send that thing onto the light. Um, So for me, I think, you know, the minds of mediums can interfere. So even if you are a good medium, if you have a belief system that that's something that needs to happen, you're going to validate that belief in some sort of behavior, or you're going to interpret a stimulus to mean something like that. This is why so much in the book I talk about being neutral. That is the job of the medium. It's to be neutral about their experiences. Yes. And to be honest with you, like, I challenge my thinking about all of these topics too. I'm like, maybe this is, there are rescue circles, but I will sit for these experiences and, you know, come at them with an open mind and then not have anything come of it. So because I didn't have anything come of it, that teaches me, okay, this isn't something that is uh, necessary really. And this is when you said, you know, it's simplified. I try to take the woo-woo out of it. I want to make this as just a, um, a product of just being a human being, a spiritual being in a human body, right? And so let's take away all the extra stuff that's not really going to do anything. No, and there's so much information that you have in this book that I think will 
make people's development journey a lot easier because even when I read this book and have read, I mean, I've read the book and there's points that I'm going to take out even for my own development, little reminders about, you know, particularly the sources of tension, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I see this time and time again, Michael, where some people will blame the sitter for a reading failing I've even seen where people will blame the spirit world and that just, that fires me up, (laughs) fires me up. And I stop it right there because I always say, and this is just Courtney's opinion, the spirit world knows what they want to say, but they got to work through us, the medium, we're the challenge, we're the, the obstacle that's in the way. So if we're not clear and passive and relaxed, they're going to have issues and the issues mostly come to the medium, never the spirit world. And I see so much of what you've written in this book where it's so simplified and it's not about techniques. It's about approaches. I remember sitting in circle and, you know, we'd start with the guided meditation and then move into exercises, but I always felt like I was having to refer to like the checklists and the step by step by step. So the mind is always active and your mind is trying to figure out, okay, am I doing it right? Am I doing it in this order? Here's the spirit world over here. Like, I am waiting. Yeah. Do you see this too? Oh, or have you seen that? A hundred percent. Well, number one with the, with the checklist um, thing, that is, that's old style. That's a little, not even, I don't even want to say old style. It's like per after the older mediums and like this weird time period where it seemed as though they, there wasn't a whole lot of really outstanding mediumship to help people along. And there was a lot of people teaching out of regurgitation in some experience, some, some way, rather than them being able to fully understand it in how their mediumship worked. Right. And so because of that, there's like this whole time period of mediumship that is just okay, right? And then that gets passed on and passed on. And that's how we kind of scrub away the ways that the old pioneers used to develop, right? Which I think made a huge difference. Now, granted, you can read some things from that time period and they face the same problems that we did to yep. today with development and things like that. But that being said, we want to get rid of some of these ideas that came during that time period, such as it needs to be this checklist where you hit all these things. Now, don't get me wrong. Having a list of things that are um, you, can, you can get is somewhat helpful for a new person in their beginning because sometimes you feel so overwhelmed, you don't know even where to go. So as a very, very loose idea of options of what's possible, great, that's fine. But when you're sitting there and you're telling your student, you need to be getting this, 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 that I don't think is going to uh, be productive because then their mind starts to engage their mind. Their mind starts looking for things. Um, Later on down the road, once the student has learned how to quiet the thinking mind, to be passive, to really understand how mediumship works, why it works, then you can start to introduce a little more challenge and like, okay, let's, let's see, can we practice getting passing condition? Can we practice getting X, Y, Z, the height, the street name, you know, we can push them a little bit more there. Um, But I think that that comes later. Uh, And and you also talked about the sources of tension. To me, that is one of the most profound and important things in this book. This is a, uh, something I came upon with 
um, partially Eileen Davies, who was one of my teachers, and then also Eileen Garrett, who is, a, is an amazing medium of the past. Um, and so taking these bits of information, this is now what I teach as a core fundamental, which I don't think anyone else teaches. Oh. Um, these three together specifically, desire, distraction, expectation, right? That little triad. And I always throw in confidence as like a, as a um, honorary fourth one, because that does make a big difference. Those things in our mediumship, those sources of tension, that will help you so much with discovering whatever the problem is. You talked about, you know, people blaming all these other sources. Folks, it's us. It's us as the medium. The spirit world is intelligent. They know how to do this. It's us that needs to learn to let go. And the worst thing we can do is have an ego thinking that it can't be us that's getting it wrong. It is us. It is us that's getting it wrong. So this is why it's so important for us to get rid of desire for a certain outcome, distraction of your own thoughts or biases or reactions of your sitter, and expectations of how you think it's supposed to be based off of either seeing other people work or seeing um, uh, or comparing it to the past way that you work. These concepts are so helpful because if you can learn to do the opposite of those, it's going to help you get to a more neutral place and your tension and stress around doing a reading, a reading will diminish. Absolutely. It is again, and with all due respect, you have really carved it out in simple steps. Now to implement them, it takes practice, but it gives people a really good foundation. You in the book have mentioned mediums of the past. Why did you feel it was important to bring them or mention a few of them like Helen Hughes and Albert Baston? Like what's the What's the importance or what is something that we can learn from these mediums of the past? Yeah, I felt that was a really important aspect. In my own development, that was always something that we talked a lot about. And what it did for me, learning about the mediums of the past, is it raised the standard and the bar of what I could expect as a possibility. And that is such a big thing for us today. When we see sort of mediocre mediumship on you know TV or on these other things, maybe social media platforms, we think, oh, I can do that. They're a medium, quote unquote, now, right? So I can do that. That's not hard. And so you end up having a lot of people who think that they've arrived at what it means to be a medium. When we start to explore the things that have occurred in the past and you see the high standard and level of what mediumship can be, right? Then you realize, oh, wait, there's a ton more work I need to do. There's a ton more I need to experience. And not only that, if the spirit can do that amazing feat and that amazing work through these other mediums, that same power that passes through them passes through me. So maybe they can do those amazing things with me. So I think that it helps us to expand what is possible within our own mediumship by learning about what spirit has been able to do with other mediums in the past. Well said. When I was doing my ministry training, we studied, studied, studied the pioneers. And it's something that's always resonated with me because many of these beautiful souls have paved the way for us to be able to do the work that we do now. And what's really interesting about them is when you look at all of their development, most of it was just them sitting with spirit. There wasn't lots of circles or books or online classes. They just sat and waited and you see the quality of the work and it is inspiring and I'm so happy that you 
you mentioned them in there because it really resonates with my own philosophy. Absolutely. In, oh, sorry, my pardon. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Um, absolutely. I think that um, when you talk about the way that they developed in the past, I think is an important thing to recognize. That, like you said, they didn't have books. They didn't have these other things. They didn't have workshops. And this is the challenge with development today. Number one, everyone wants to be the medium, right? Whereas in the past, you had a few people who showed mediumistic ability and everyone sat for that person, right? So for their development, because they just wanted to experience the amazing mediumship. That's one thing that's very different. But but with that being said, the idea of just sitting for spirit um, doesn't sell in today's world. (laughs) Like it just doesn't. In today's world, people want... To, I gave you money, it's supposed to make this thing happen. If it were up to me in my training programs, you would just sit for your first year, maybe six months, but for your first year, you would just sit in the power as a group and sit in stillness, learn how to quiet the mind, learn how to become still. That is one of the most important things. But unfortunately, no one's going to want to do that. So (laughs) you have to kind of get them in through giving them something that they can understand. So in my foundations, you know, one class in, in school, in uh, Oakbridge, um, we we start off with sitting in the power, but then we give them these other practical steps that are going to show them, oh, I am experiencing something. And then that gets them hooked in. And then I can throw all this other stuff on them of like, <laughs> hey, by the way, all this is about is this first thing you just learned. That's the most important thing. And, and this is why I start off the book with that too, is this is how you sit in the power. This is the most important thing. I might've even written it in there. This is the most important thing you can learn from this book or from my class or from anything. Do this just like the pioneers did, right? They just sat and communed with spirit and then they unfolded. That's all you need to do really. But it's helpful to have a little bit more tools and ideas to help you along the way. And you've incorporated that in the book. It's interesting because mediumship and its development is quite opposite compared to like how our day-to-day life is um, and society is set up to always achieve and reach and keep looking for the next thing where we want to be passive and surrender and let whatever experience comes to us be that and be indifferent to what happens and what does what doesn't happen. So it's, I think the mind, I totally agree with you. The mind needs to be re, uh, retrained, but I think also our behaviors too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some of the behaviors you think that we we would need to retrain? The need to control. <laughs> Excellent. Sorry, I was drinking my tea. Excellent point. Um, it's, it's the mindset of how we achieve things. So we think in our normal day-to-day life to achieve, you must do, you must act, you must, you know, make it happen. There's that active process. And mediumship is the exact opposite. The less I do, the more the spirit has control and therefore the more accurate and the better everything can be. So you're literally learning how to do things in the exact opposite way. Now, that being said, mediumship is vulnerability for the medium. It And I teach this so much because... It's such a key idea. When a medium is developing, um, they have to face themselves. They have Mm -hmm. to face um, the things that are going to arise. So when I say, okay, I'm going to do a reading for you now, um, Courtney, I'm going to do this reading for you. And when I do the reading, okay, let's say it doesn't feel like it's working the way that it needs to. Immediately, all of our defenses, all of the things that arise that we do in our normal life arise to try to prevent that from happening, 
from things going wrong. So things like perfectionism, things yeah. like controlling, things like, um, I'm trying to think of other ones that I, I normally do, um, beating ourselves or, or apologizing overly. There's all kinds of different behaviors that start yeah. to arise because we start to feel vulnerable, right? Because we're saying, oh, I'm going to do this miracle for you. And then, oh, it's not quite working the way I want. And then suddenly, boom, there's all of our issues over our whole life. So Absolutely. That, that is why we have to, you know, work on both of these aspects because, you know, we have a, our, our second course, it's called expansion and it's about becoming the whole medium. It's about working on your personal development as well as your spiritual development. So using what arises in your spiritual development to help you with your personal development and vice versa, because you are your mediumship. Absolutely. So the more that we heal Either way, right? It's going to support the other side. Totally agree with you. And I think our personal stuff that we don't deal with really does affect the quality of our mediumship. And you can see it, particularly when you have mediums that always receive the same type of information in their readings. It's like, um, you know that there's some stuff that still needs to be healed or looked at, worked through, and it's a process. And, you know, I believe too, especially with what you've written in the book, I agree, like a big part of our mediumship development is that inner journey of healing and exploring and getting to know ourselves. And I think that we don't really take the time to cultivate that relationship with ourselves, at least to the degree that perhaps we should. Courtney, what you just said is your mediumship journey. Like you just said it perfectly. The development and the understanding of the self, or as I like to call it, the spiritualization of the self mm -hmm. is your mediumship journey. The being able to give messages, the being able to, um, you know, do amazing feats with psychism or whatever, that's a byproduct. That is, that is secondary to the development of the self to cultivating peace, cultivating harmony, love, fraternity, right? All of these things are the journey. Healing the things, um, the Rumi quote, which I'm going to butcher, is, you know, essentially it's not about seeking love. It's about finding everywhere within yourself that blocks that love, yeah. right? That's, that is what I think is the real journey. Um, and then on top of that, what happens when we do that is we become more aware of ourselves, our fuller selves, our spiritual self. And that's where the mediumship and psychism comes out of. Definitely. You also go into great depth about the ethics and responsibility of mediumship. And it's a hot topic for me, let me tell you, because <laughs> there's a lot of garbage that's out there. And I feel bad for some of the people that have been in contact with mediums that lack that um the ethics and responsibility, because some of them will come to me and they will have been told predictions and uh, impending doom. And I think I've never heard the spirit world ever say something negative in my own experience. I've never had them say something negative. I've never had the spirit world predict. They may see something coming up very, very quickly, but they don't tell people what to do either. And I think this is this area where people need to be one clear about what they're looking for when they go to a reader. One, are you wanting your future told? Or do you want to have a contact with the spirit world? And two, I think mediums, or I'll say readers, however they identify with themselves, need to be really clear about what they're supposed to do, or what they should be providing their client and what they shouldn't be. Because sometimes it's like a big disaster. 
instead of being something that is uplifting and healing and comforting. What are your thoughts on the ethics and responsibility? Yeah, I think that when people uh, do this work, if they aren't careful, their egos can get involved, which mm-hmm. I think mediumship is one of the easiest places for your ego to get involved. Um, because you have people saying, oh my God, you're amazing. Oh my God, you're wonderful. Oh my God, look at this magical thing you're doing. And that is like just perfume for the ego. So it draws people in. So you have to be really careful with that. But I think with regards to that, um, being able to put aside um, sort of our desires for what we want this mediumship thing to look like and learn to follow the spirit. Because if you follow the spirit, you don't actually have to worry so much about the ethics and things because the spirit's going to take care of it. But a lot of people have their minds in there, have their egos in there. And because of that, it causes them to do things like make predictions that um, maybe wow someone, or they like to give dramatics that are going to make people feel a certain way because that's making them feel more powerful, right? So it's really important for people to get their egos under control and well, and learn to follow the spirit, and really work on their development. That's really where people go wrong is that they think, oh, I can give a message, now I'm a medium. And that is just not true. You have to be able to cultivate yourself as a person, as a spiritual being, And on top of that, learn how to hold space for other people. Learn when is the right time to give certain kinds of information or not. I agree with you. I've never had the spirit world give anything negative. If the spirit world has ever given anything that could be challenging, they've always provided a solution along with it. And so um, for me, it's always been, uh, you know, where the the spiritual TikTok, for example, is a minefield. Uh, You'll hear me talk about that all the time because I'm just aghast (laughs) at some of the things that I see in here. Um, I do know of just just recently someone um, basically trying to give a reading to someone. And then when that person couldn't take it, they said, well, if you can't take that, then know that, you know, someone in, you know, a loved one is going to pass soon or something like that. So something just, I know something totally like outlandish because that person's ego was like, couldn't handle it. And I'm just like, folks, please. I know Courtney, you and I had the same exact reaction, just like the shock of that anyone would ever say that. I can't believe that. And it's just not true. Like, that's just not true. That's someone's ego trying to save face. Right. And so folks, this is what we have to be aware of. There are so many people out there who claim to be doing something that they probably aren't aware that they're not doing. And then when their egos get involved, because that's exactly what's putting them out there too early, maybe they just didn't have the proper training. um, They start to behave and act out and do all these things that are just personal development things that they need to work on. So this is a huge topic. It's why I included in the book, not all books really talk about ethics in mediumship and in this work. And I think that it's important that we have more uh, information out there of what should be expected of someone in a position of power with working with vulnerable people. Definitely. And people need to recognize too, mediumship is about healing. And if we're not healing people through our work, we need to reconsider perhaps why that's not taking place and, and go from there. Absolutely. So Michael, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you have coming up? Yeah. So Um, 
we <laughs> Oak Bridge is the beginning of the year. So uh, Oak Bridge Institute uh, is my school. You can find that at oakbridgeinstitute.org. And um, we offer all kinds of things. So we have now three levels in our mediumship uh, development uh, courses. So we have foundations one, two, and three, which is the foundation series, uh, which is the starting point for anyone who's wanting to develop their mediumship. After that, uh, and each one of those are seven weeks. After that, we have a 10-month uh, expansion course, which is about that personal development alongside your mediumship. So we actually go through different concepts of like trust, allowing, uh, confidence, and we apply that to both your mediumship and yourself. And it's amazing the beautiful growth and change I have seen in my students who have taken that. And people have told me that's your best offering that you guys have. Um, and I, I, I kind of agree. Um, and then we now we have it moves into advancing. So advancing is helping people to work, um, to get ready to start working with the public. I tend to find that students generally are ready to start to work with the public in a, in a monitored way, somewhere around two, two and a half years. I feel like that's when they start to be like, okay, let's start. We can start to introduce some people. I'm going to observe you and watch you work with other people, but let's start getting real grieving people to, to, that you can support because the power is very different working with someone in need versus someone who is like, I'm just doing a mediumship class, right? There's a difference in the quality of it. So we start to introduce that. So that's currently what we're doing there. But we also started our psychism course. So we have psychism track now. So we have psychism one, two, three, and four. Um, and so that's really exciting. We're starting with, we're doing a little weird, starting with psychism two. So if you have some experience within your mediumship or you've taken foundations one, um, then we invite you to start with psychism too. That's actually starting on the 18th. So I don't know when this actually goes out, but that comes out on the 18th. Um, and yeah, so we repeat these courses throughout the year. So the first half, obviously I've already started some of them, um, but the second half of the year, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities to jump in. We also have weekly development circles, um, you know, all levels development, intermediate and advanced level circles. And then we also have events. So I'm so lucky because I have amazing uh, teachers who come in. So Christine Morgan, who's been on your show before, yeah. um, she teaches at Oak Ridge now, which is amazing. We also have uh, Eileen Davies, who's one of my teachers. I know she's going to be doing a Claire, uh, so Claire audience workshop coming up. So we have these amazing teachers um, and then also my own tutors who I've trained and developed who also work there. I also co-run the school with Megan Elisa, who is an amazing, credible medium. She's so awesome. Um, so yeah, we have a whole big family and a big community that just wants to welcome anyone who wants to come and develop their mediumship in a safe, harmonious, and positive environment. Excellent. So everybody, you can find all of this information in the show notes. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your book with us. It is of so much value to the spiritual community. And anybody who's listening to this podcast, go get the book. It's a must have. Thank you so much, Courtney. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for giving me the time to talk about my book. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Connected Spirit. If you did, please leave me a review and a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you do feel called to share this with your friends, thank you so much for tagging me on Instagram at Medium Courtney Dawson. It really helps to get the word out about this podcast so we can help more people just like you. 
If you're interested in a private reading or attending any one of my mentoring classes, workshops, or events, you can go to mediumcourtneydawson.com or check me out on Instagram at mediumcourtneydawson. Have a great day, guys. Thank you.